Welcome to it. It is the newest episode of F1 Track This. My name is Kriya Gangya, and I am super excited to be back for the 2023 season. And we have such exciting news that we are going to share with you. If this is your first time tuning in to the F1 Track This podcast, pretty much what it is is a whole bunch of you know, industry experts talking about Formula One, and we always have a lot of fun. And uh, to welcome back, I think I need to start with uh, one of our regulars, Avon Middleton. Uh, it's so good to have you back. Avon is the publisher and director of Top Gear magazine, as well as a motorsport analyst. Avon, how are you doing? Hey, Kriya. Hey, gang. I'm really well. I'm, I'm really excited that we're back, and I'm excited to watch racing again. And uh, yeah, I'm I feel like a little kid that's ready to, you know, have the best time of his life once again. It's been a while. It's been a while. Three months has just been too long. It has been. It's like withdrawal symptoms. Um, yeah, I, I just imagine what the drivers feel like. Joining us again this year on the podcast is uh, one of my favorite dry humor people, and that's Brent van der Scave. I can already hear him laughing in the background. He's an automotive and motorsport journalist and GTI Challenge race car driver. Brent, it is so good to have you back for another season. Oh, thank you so much for that intro. Um, I don't know where to look. I'm blushing this side. Um, that was fantastic, and it's so good to be back. It's so good to talk cars. Uh, it's so exciting to be back here and actually just, you know, sharing the journey. And like you said, a couple of days away from the start of what's going to be quite an epic season it's looking to be. And a new voice that we're hearing for the first time on the F1 Track This podcast is Matthew Kanaya. Now, Matthew is a, a lifestyle content creator and professional automotive creator as well. Matthew, it is great to have you with us. We've worked together a number of times, um, and this is the first time we're having you on the podcast. I know, and I'm excited. I've seen big things from this. I've seen the guests. I've seen the the decorative, you know, awards that you guys have on your shoulders. So I'm pretty excited to be with uh, the greats, you know, a, a full professional real racing driver that I know who follows me on Instagram. So that's quite exciting. <laughs> and then Avon, Avon is just, Avon's what you call a Titan. You know, you just look at him and you're like, he's doing it and he's doing it really well. And I like it. So thanks for having me. And uh, I'm looking forward to banting with all of you. I love how Matthew is sucking up already so that if he says something <laughs> bad later, he's got brown points. <laughs> <laughs> you just let him it, say it know? just let him say it <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so let's get into the 2023 season of course um i think the first thing we need to touch on um is the fact that there's a massive partnership that's happening between tottenham hotspur fc and formula one now avon i know that you love the whole crossover fact between motorsport and other sports and i say that because i know you have an interesting opinion about this well, I think the one is that Tottenham didn't get their deal with South Africa, so they needed something else. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, you know what? I actually think it's as a marketer, I think it's, I think it's an interesting and smart initiative. It will bring Formula One and motorsport to a new audience, and it will it will increase the fandom and the engagement also uh, from. I think what is traditionally perhaps not a motorsport audience. I mean, you know, England is known for being quite a motorsport mad country, but I think this sort of partnership uh, helps. So essentially, you know, it's bringing soccer to motorsport and bringing motorsport to soccer. And, you know, what what's impressed me the most is it's a huge initiative. It's It's not, you know, it's not one of those little 
you know, partnership agreements where I put a logo on your car and then we have some branding in the stadium. You know, there's a serious amount of investments. They're going to be building state-of-the-art circuits at Tottenham Stadium, which I think is incredible. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I, I, I think there's some naysayers out there who possibly question it, but I think as a marketer, I think it's fantastic. Kudos to F1, kudos to Tottenham. I mean, to be honest, you have to give Tottenham kudos as well because perhaps they're not the team that you would immediately associate with doing something of this scale. You know, I think the big-name teams maybe you would have thought would do this, but Tottenham's clearly got money to spend and they have some vision. And, and I think that's great. It's great for Formula One, great for soccer. I think there's also money coming in from Formula One there. Um, I don't think it's only Tottenham that's spending a lot of money on it. I think Tottenham just has the space maybe in the stadium. Um, but do we have any Tottenham fans in the house, Matthew Brent? Are we Tottenham fans? No, I mean, there's a chant that you can sing about what do we think of Tottenham, but I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> but like, like Evan was saying, from a marketing point of view, absolutely excellent. From a footballer, because I'm, I'm a Chelsea fan, I'll probably, you know, I shouldn't be talking considering how low we are. But I was also thinking about what everyone said. It's an interesting move with Tottenham. I would have think it would have been a higher ranked team or a, a nice higher ranked Champions League team. Um, so quite interesting to see. But again, like you said, from marketing, you're tapping into audience. We see the grid walk. We always see the celebrities and the footballers come through and check out the garages and, and spend time with the team. So very smart move. So I'd love to see which direction it goes into. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an eyebrowsing raising one for me, but uh, very cool nonetheless. I'm just going to say that I support Liverpool closing comments. So we've got other problems on our hands at the moment. So yeah, I'll, let, I'll let them sit this one out. <laughs> oh shame all right let's let's stay at the with the topic at hand and that's formula one um obviously going into a brand new season we accept expect a couple of driver changes top teams are staying static we've got mercedes we've got ferrari mm. and then of course red bull that's the same as well as um alfa romeo but some big changes in the rest of the teams and we're seeing a lot of um you know debuts from a lot of rookie drivers. Obviously, Pierre Gasly joins Esteban Ocon at Alpine. Uh, an interesting one for me, and I'm very keen to see how he drives. And this one, Brent, I know you've got an opinion on, is Oscar Piastri joining Lando Norris at McLaren. He hasn't raced, pretty much done a race race since 2021. Yeah, look, I mean, you must understand one thing. These guys are professionals, you know, through and through. And uh, just because he hasn't been in an F1 car, or done anything, you know, that serious. It doesn't mean that he hasn't been working very hard with the team um, in the sim on maybe an older car. He's done a few um, tests with that. Um, so, and they would have kept him sharp throughout that, that time. Trust me, they're very strategic and these guys are the best of the best, the top 1%. So, uh, even if it was, a, if he was taking a bit of a vacation and it wouldn't have meant too much, the guy is really, really hot. So, yeah, he's, com he's coming into this with, uh, with some serious intention. Another team or another driver that for me is a standout is Nick DeFries. And Avon, we spoke about this in detail last year when they announced that he was coming on board with Alpha Tauri. Um, and he's 28 years old, which was a shocker for all of us. Um, but that comes with a lot of experience. Now. 29 now already? Jeez Louise, he's getting older by the second. <laughs> no, no, I, I could be a month or two off. But uh, yeah, you know, he's. I think he's going to... I think he's going to show up Albon. I think he's going to quickly rise to be the quote-unquote number one driver. 
he's just one of those uh, drivers that everything that he touches, he seems to do well with. Uh, okay, let's not bring age into it because I'm 38 and I still believe that I might be called up one day uh, for an F1 drive. So <laughs> yeah, take take that out of the equation. Uh, Nick's, uh, he's one of those guys that have just been you know, hard at it for a very long time and he is the epitome of, of stay dedicated and a real um, you know, example for all everyone out there to follow and, and to stay focused and, and and he's getting his chance and he proved um last year scoring points for Williams um you know ahead of uh, Latifi <laughs> and um and he's is there's no one that's more deserving than him so um yeah it's going to be a, a also a fairly inexperienced lineup um with him but just remember they've also got uh, Perez and and Verstappen to lean on for experience, and it's a you know the the help goes runs pretty deep in that um, in that setup. I, I agree with you. There's lots of experience uh, in that team, and lots of experience with them. That's uh, you know going to kind of propel AlphaTauri forward. Um, and another team that's got great amount of experience coming in is Aston Martin with Fernando Alonso joining Lance Stroll. Well. At the next race, you'll join Lance Stroll. Uh, Matt, that's that's also a big experience coming in from them. It is very big. And I think, you know, we didn't see him uh, wanting to depart uh, Alpine when he did. But beautiful to see that there's a, a two-pair French pairing for them. But with Alonso, he brings a lot to the table. And, you know, for him to pilot that wheelbarrow of a French car into top five sometime, I think he's going to do a lot with the Aston Martin, especially considering in testing, they brought a very, very strong contending car for you. Look at the stats and how much laps they've put in. They've followed closely to the Ferrari's design. They look like they've got a strong power unit. And interestingly enough, in any of the fantasy leagues, if you guys are following them, um, he's scoring 33% of driver pick, especially with his constructor team. Uh, so he's looking to bring a lot to the table. And I think that's what Aston is looking for. They're looking for that experience. But you know, Fernando's always been a big risk taker, not just from jumping to teams, but also just in terms of car. So he's willing to put a car on the limit. And considering what he did with Alpine, I think he's going to bring a lot for them and he's going to put them in contention to fight with the McLarens and to bring them into the top seven very easily. Well, at the moment, the hashtag Mission 33 is literally taking over the internet uh, because it is, you know, Fernando's goal to get his 33rd GP win uh, this year. And Avon, yeah. with the way that that car is looking at the moment, that Aston Martin could produce it. Look, I'm I'm so excited about Aston Martin. You have no idea. I think... Fernando is a driver that we've always hoped would make the right call in terms of his career and always got it wrong, unfortunately. His timing was always terrible. But it looks like it looks like he's onto something. That Aston Martin has never looked so good in testing, certainly. I know testing is one of those, you know, we can't assume too much from it, but you know, they they completed a number of laps. The car looked incredibly fast. You know, in what conversation have we had recently where an Aston Martin is second fastest? Uh, you know, so I, I'm, you know what, I'm behind it. I'm a big Alonso fan. I love, I love that he's come back into the sport and he's making waves and he's still driving so, so well. So he might just do it. I mean, I don't, I don't know that he's going to challenge a Red Bull, but I, I certainly think he's going to do something and we know that when he's on the grid there's fireworks anyway so really excited about him i'm just looking forward to him shouting at lance stroll because i feel like it's going to happen at some stage 
<laughs> that's if Lance Stroll gets into the car at some point, I suppose he will. <laughs> yeah, well, look, he is going to be replaced possibly this weekend, but we'll get to those details in just a little while. Uh, let's talk the other big driver change is obviously Nico Hulkenberg making a return to a driving seat, a permanent driving seat in the house with Kevin Magnussen, Brent. Yeah, it's just one of those moves that have uh, is, is divided opinions. I know that everyone was rooting for Haas to keep um, Mick Schumacher on. Um, and that didn't that didn't pan out. And uh, you know, going with Hulkenberg or two experienced drivers um, is something that they chose. And you, you've got to understand that you know, any car takes at least two years to develop properly. And Haas is obviously taking a very long view on this, and that's why floating in a, a more experienced driver to accelerate that process is is something that they, they want. And and and, and um, K, K, K Mag and, and, and Nika Hulkenberg are going to bring that. And, um, you know, obviously, Schumacher, he wrecked a few cars last year. So, look, the budget is obviously stretched beyond what they're willing to accept. Um, and it's going to be exciting. I think people are not really giving him the credit that he needs. Um, but he, he does bring a, a certain something to the grid. And, and that's going to be good for not only Haas, but for the, for the entire field. Shame, you make uh, Mick Schumacher like it's a, it's a sad case, but he also landed his button butter. I mean, third driver for Mercedes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's a, it's not a bad uh, sidestep, uh, forward step, whatever you want to call it. Uh, look, no one really wants to be a reserve driver if you have to give anyone. I know Daniel Ricciardo definitely wants to be a reserve driver. <laughs> you were going to bring that up. Daniel is a very special case coming into this year. And I think just give him, give him his Australian GP and that, that, that boy's going to be itching to get back into the seat. So, yeah, um, if you had to give uh, Mick the option of, of, of being a reserve driver for uh, Mercedes or you know, the, a, a second-place driver for Haas, he would have chosen Haas. All right, let's talk about the uh, American on the grid. And this is the last one we're talking about in terms of driver changes and driver seats. And this is Logan Surgent, uh, Matthew. He joins Williams with Alex Albon. He does. Uh, interesting middle name. His middle name is Hunter. Uh, and also being 22 years old, uh, he's been fantastic. Just to see him through karting when he did Formula 3 and he was racing with Prema and Carlin, he did fantastic there. So it was between him. Um, and there was an American pairing alongside with him for 2022 with him and uh, the New Zealander Liam Lawson. And so he was the lucky one who ended up at Williams and he's a young talent. But also, again, in terms of understanding the whole F1 sport, in terms of marketing, a very, very great strategic move, especially considering that he'll be one of the very first yeah. few um, US drivers. So a close eye on him. And again, especially a team like Williams who... You know, they aren't struggling as much as Haas. They're looking to bring in that sponsorship. And America is a big deal with F1 now. Having him there just brings that sort of, I, I guess, attraction to the team. But also there's a big expectation, especially because he's in the shadow. He's in that shadow of Alex. And Alex is the veteran. And he's being Mr. Consistent. So, again, he might just outperform him. Or he might just be someone who will just be constantly behind him all the time. We'll just have to wait and see. At least Logan will bring good hairstyles. Oh, God, she's uh, Alex and his choice of uh, food coloring hair is just another story of its own. I'm on the tip that he's going to beat Albon. I'm not entirely sure Albon is. Ooh. No, really, I, I'm not entirely sure Albon is the the pick of the bunch. You know, he, he certainly hasn't shown himself as this, you know. How can I help? Oh, my word. <laughs> How can you help Alex Albon? Wow. Let's start. What do you want to do? 
Give Alex Albon a better seat in F1. I'm sorry, but I can't help you with that right now. Guys, okay. I'm, really, I'm really sorry. Just hold on. What the hell? Avon, we might as well just exclude you and ask your car to carry on the interview. <laughs> yeah, some, some AI. Jeez, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, I, I think Sergeant's going to, going to show him up. Give Sergeant a few races to settle in, and I think he'll be quicker than Albon. And I only say that because you can, you, you can all answer this. Has Albon in the last two seasons shown any significant pace or any significant talent, you, you know, he's been he's been very much an average driver across the grid, irrespective of which team he's been in. He's certainly not a team leader. He's, he's certainly not someone who's bringing a whole bunch of experience to a team, and he's just not fast. That's my that's my opinion. Hairstyles aside, that's just what I think. I, I get you, Avon, but I'm I'm going to lean into the into the fact that. They haven't had a very fast competitive car. They also had Gotifi as, you know, uh, a teammate, <laughs> which hasn't been the best. He's been, you know, sent death threats, the cause of many, many controversies. Shame, it's not really his fault. But again, you know, he's been carrying that team. And I think, uh, I think we need to give a little bit of credit because a lot of the teams, 80% of the grid, did struggle with 2022's cars. And, you know, especially an underperforming team like them made him look very, very bad. I know his confidence was knocked coming from Red Bull and, and that sort of thing. But I think give him enough time, he can be Mr. Consistent. I don't think he's at all awfully terrible. I think he's a hell of a lot better than Mick Schumacher and some of the other guys. Um, but I think, again, <laughs> it could be a case of pairing him with the right number two or the right driver with him they can sort of lean off each other to extract more from themselves and the car. So we'll just have to wait and see. You know, I want to be a tiebreaker. No, I'm probably going to choose the diplomatic uh, fence-sitting option, yeah. But yeah, I think I think they're going to, from what oh, I've friends. read and we've seen, <laughs> is um, um, Alex and, and, and Logan are going to be working together as a team on this. Um, they have to lock, to make the jump from F2, regardless of if you won the championship or not, into F1 is going to be, it, it, it is always the, you know the seriousness of it all is is intense. Um, I think just to assume that Logan is just going to get in and get used to it uh, is is you know I wouldn't say naive, but Alex is proven. You know he's he can drive a car. He might not have uh, you know that 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 absolute magic uh, that that um, Evans uh, alluded to, but he can drive a car and he has done a lot of work for Williams. So. Who knows? Maybe together as a team, they can, you know, he can help uh, smooth Logan's um, entry into F1. And then at the same time, you know, extract that youthful vibrancy that Logan brings to it. And uh, they could uh, score some points. I feel like Alex is also this very calm, very chilled kind of guy. So he'll be very mm. accepting of Logan. Like he'll just, you know, come on in. Let's have a great time. Here's a seat. We'll drive together. Woo! We're in F1, guys. F1 is about results. And Nobody has time, you know. You've got to you've got to show yourself. And to compare Albon to Latifi, perhaps <laughs> I, I don't think it's a great comparison in terms of showing Albon's character or, or Albon's competence. Uh, so yeah, we're just gonna have to wait and see. I just I just don't think I just don't think he had. You know, there are many people who can drive the car, but is he a number one driver? Is he a driver that other teams are gonna consider? you know, to promote into their teams. Is he is he hot property is my point. He's not. That's all I'm saying. 
So, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'm going to put a pin in this, and we are going to um, revisit this once we see what that Williams actually does on track, because I feel like Alex is also sitting in a dead car. But like I said, pin in this. Let's talk testing and let's talk the Bahrain GP, which is coming up this weekend. Obviously, Boy. we know that testing is always really hard to kind of read, um, you know, what the cars are doing and how they're performing. Um, because a lot of people sandbag or they don't really show exactly what the cars can perform. But I will start by saying the one positive that came out of testing is the fact that the Mercedes is not bouncing like it did last year, Matthew. Ugh, yeah, well, shame. I Everyone had high expectations for Mercedes. And I think what they did to cover that up was say, hey, let's paint the car black. I'm a big fan <laughs> of it. I do like the color. I think it is good. But, you know, in terms of design and testing, you know, the, the whole point of it is basically shakedown. You get in the car and you make sure all the systems are checked and everything works, but you're not showing all your cards. It only comes for practice for Bahrain. And I think what Mercedes have done, uh, they've taken a big risk. So looking back on the 2022 car to 23, they've still kept that zero side pod, which I don't understand. They believe that philosophy works. Again, a clever thing for them to do is switching the car to black. You can't exactly see what most of the changes have been done because they've gone for the dry carbon. We don't want to add a lot of weight. So we don't know what secrets are beholding. But from what we've seen in testing, uh, I'm not sure that was a smart move. I think they should have gone for a much more safer. I mean, their test result was third. The best lap time was 1 minute 30. They did 398 laps when you consider that Williams, you know, ranked 10th, did 439. So I don't know. Um, I'd place them at best probably fourth or fifth in the champion this year, but I don't think they should have taken that risk. I think they should have gone safer. They should have gone for a title contending car. Um, great that they fixed porpoising, but I think they've got bigger issues at play because if they don't sort that card, uh, Hamilton will probably leave or do something a bit more drastic and Mercedes just fall to the back of the grid. Oh my goodness, Matthew, there are so many controversial things in there. Avon, go. I know you have comments. <laughs> I'm ready. Go, Avon. Yeah, I'm just like, wait, who are we talking about here? Um, look, I, I just want to say it's testing. And testing is about, as you said, it's about aero. It's about making sure bits and bobs work. I, don't, I think the car that arrives to the grid uh, this coming weekend is not going to be the car that we saw in testing. And I think Mercedes is very famous. We know this. Both Lewis and his whole team are very famous for not necessarily throwing their hand until they have to. Uh, to make statements like a fifth place in the championship, those are big statements. And uh, I certainly don't agree with him. Um, it would certainly make F1 incredibly interesting. But no, I, th I think Mercedes have, uh, I, th I think they're okay. They're certainly not perhaps as comfortable as Red Bull. I mean, Red Bull just looks, I don't know, they just look like they ended last season. They, they're just absolutely faultless. But uh, I think I think we'll see. I think we'll see a slightly more resurgent Mercedes this weekend, um, and I think they're. I think they're still developing the car. Sure, I think they're still testing uh, uh, some 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 new some new strategies and some new bits. I think the big change for them has been the floor, and you know what? We keep saying they fixed porpoising. I mean, I think they've just curbed porpoising. Certainly above three twenty. If you watch testing, there's there's still a little bit of it going on. <laughs> yeah, look, um, I know uh, bold statements, but uh, we all know that Matthew's a big Red Bull fan, so maybe there's a bit of objectivity that, that's been put into question. 
Maybe, maybe a, a little bit. <laughs> no harm, no foul. But yeah, look, I mean, like like Avon mentioned, um, Mercedes has been a team that always comes out in testing, and they've, they've always, you know, played the same narrative of you know sandbagging and downplaying any sort of you know potential uh, latent performance that might exist there. Um, they're not ones to come on neither or, or any team actually. They they're all going to hold back and 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 it's not Red Bull as well. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, Lewis got onto the trumpet and you know started uh, you know downplaying the car immediately, and that's always a red flag. So maybe turn that around, and uh, and, and 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 they definitely would have um, you know improved upon last year's car. But um, we also said this at the beginning of last season, and that uh, W13 was an absolute lemon last year. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting. You can't really put it put uh, put too much on anything, actually. All right, I'm just going to take your guys' comment there of Matthew being a massive Red Bull fan, and I'm just going to point out the fact that Red Bull was super strong in testing in Bahrain last year. And then what happened in the race, Matthew? I'm sorry, I, I, I can't remember. My brain has gone fuzzy. So to give you an idea, we were still niggling our issues with the HRC mm. power unit. Mm. And it started off with Pierre Gasly catching on fire. Then Yuki had some issues. So look, understandably... And Max had some issues. Unit. Don't forget that part. <laughs> yeah, it, it trickled down. All the Honda power units absolutely sucked. I think that's why our new 26 partnering is, is looking a bit more promising. But... In terms of car, we fixed the reliability, and I think we're looking strong simply because we're taking what we used last year, and it's an evolution. So I would call it, you know, RB18 Evo 2. Um, and, and Adrian Newey is, you know, he basically wrote the rule book on porpoising because he did it on LMP1 and LMP2 cars. Um, and it's a strong contender because I think they've just they've taken that formula of if it's not broke, don't fix it, just tweak it. Um, so hopefully that, and obviously halfway through the 22 season, we fixed the power unit issues. So we've got good, reliable power units. We've got a good, strong car. And that, for me, is enough to say we can. I know I was being a bit harsh on the, on the Mercedes, but I just think <laughs> I, I need the, the Merc to just pick up the pace because if you look at how last year you know, finished Alpine and McLaren, fourth and fifth. So for me to say Mercedes is, is slotting in between a four and a five, you know, you're looking at like an Aston that could throw something in the way you don't know what Alpine's got up its sleeve. I just need to see, and respect to Mercedes, I need to see them pick up their socks. Because if they don't, the other kids on the block who got more aero time because they were lower on the placement for constructors will kind of creep up and give them a surprise. Well said from a very, very big Red Bull fan is all I have to say. <laughs> Uh, look, what what we can't argue is that Red Bull is looking strong. I mean, yeah, that's it's just true. it's just a continuation of last year. It's incredible what they've done with that car. And I think, given testing, simply in terms of laps covered, and in terms of they had a pretty faultless testing, um, they look reliable. So you know, I think they'll finish that Bahrain race without power unit issues. Look, I agree with all of you. I'm just being devil's advocate. I really do think after testing, Red Bull is looking good. And I'm interested to see what's going to happen in practice um, on Friday. Um, but anything can happen when it comes to Bahrain. I mean, it's the first race of the season. Things are uncertain. Um, and obviously, we haven't even touched on the fact that there's also a Ferrari that could possibly be in the mix. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, I think... Um... Uh, they showed some strong form um, as well, and uh, you know the changes that that they made um, 
which we spoke about last year, actually. And, um, <laughs> and you did say that someone needed to update their, their LinkedIn CV. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was my original joke, and I'm actually laughing at it now, so that's actually a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, so, so Fred was obviously coming from Alpha um, uh, to take over, and we, what we know is New Broom Sweep Clean. And um, French principals that work for Ferrari do incredibly well. Uh, Jean Todd winning 14 world titles um, in his time, including eight constructors championships and six drivers championships, and five of them belonging to uh, Michael Schumacher. I know you might have heard of that name before. Um, so that if, we, if we're if we're believing in omens and, and good um, good charms, then that's it. Um, and along with that, they've made a they've made a significant amount of changes within the team. I think notably the biggest one is um, the, the head of strategy, uh, Inaki uh, Rueda, um, who's moved back to the factory. We all know what that means is that next move is actually out the door. And they've um, they've employed a, a, um, a Raven J to take over that uh, that position, and, and he's an ex uh, Williams um, boy. Um, as well as an Oxford mathematics graduate and in, in physics as well. So he's the type of guy that walks into a room and the average IQ increases. Uh, incredibly smart, and they need that. Um, there's good energy coming from that team. So it's, it's, looking, it's looking good. As far as race strategy goes, irrespective of the car and its performance this weekend or, or this season, if they just get race strategy right, <laughs> I think they'll, they'll score at least another 50 points this year. So it all sounds great to me. I, I just, I just hope that Carlos Sainz is not playing such a big role in strategy calls this year. And I hope they got a lot of eye eye tags or whatever those are, things are called to track their tires. Yeah, we need to speak about tires. By the way, we need to speak about this new rule around tires. I that's my biggest concern for the season. Let's actually go there, Avon. Okay, so just to just to contextualize, so a number of new rules this season, but I guess the one that for me is a big concern is just. Um, not having tire blankets uh, when when cars arrive into the pits. Uh, so instead of 100 degree tires, I mean I don't know. We'll see this weekend what you know the, the tire temperatures will average. But essentially, cars are going to exit the pit lane with cold tires, and my assumption is it's going to take a lap at least before those tires warm up to a point where they're grippy enough to execute a decent lap. So so you know when you talk about strategy. This is where strategists are, are really going to be called in. And I think drivers are going to struggle with it. It's going to be, you know, you, you're essentially going to need two or three laps to get onto the pace. And uh, that's going to wreak havoc for, you know, cars that are, have already pitted. You know, are we going to see a lot more undercuts this year? I, I don't know. It's just something that it doesn't worry me in terms of anything more than drivers complaining and a number of F-bombs flying every every time there's, there's a people go into the pits and you know Lewis has come out you know Mr. Lewis Hamilton on a soapbox talking about safety yeah, I, I don't know I think this is Formula One my opinion is let them race it's a new rule they need to work out how to how to how to use it and uh, I think we must let them race and see what happens so what does that do in terms of safety because obviously there's going to be a, a, a decrease of control of those cars coming out of the pit sure but I think it's up to drivers to manage you know you, you, you you're essentially going to have to take a slightly longer lap to warm up your tires. It's it's a new. I, I want to say it's a new skill. This is what drivers do anyway. The the art of keeping tires at temperature is part of what Formula One drivers do. They're just going to have to do it a little bit more now when they exit the pits. It's not like something they don't do. 
It's just something that they're going to have to do a little bit more of. So, I mean, look, I don't know. We, we'll have to see it in the race. You know, I have concerns about a track like Silverstone where you exit the pits at quite a pace and there's cars coming around turn one and two at, you know, over 300 k's an hour. It worries me there. But again, you know, let's let's see what happens. I think it's a great rule. I think it's going to shake things up. I might be eating my words next week. So, yeah. Yeah, just speaking on what Avon is saying, you know, that the whole tire strategy is a thing, but we also need to let people know that there are no longer five compounds. There's now six compounds. So there's also that. So considering that, you know, the blanket rules come in, um, there's also now last year's C1, which was technically the hardest, is now C0. And then C5 has now become the ultra, ultra soft. So teams have an array of choices based on terrain. So again, you've got another little wild card there where someone could say, you know what, that rule might come onto effect, but maybe we can bang out a couple of laps on the ultra softs and then move on to a C0 or hard, run the whole race on that. So with the new tire in, I think that's also going to add a little bit of a, a team strategy and tires really going to become the ultimate key for winning. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, these, these guys are professionals. They get paid to do a job um, and, you know, obviously tire blankets are... You know, every race car driver's, you know, dream to have. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, they are professionals. And we've seen it in DTM where, the, you know, tie blankets were removed. And, you know, it, it does shake things up. That outlap becomes quite sketchy and it's not as quick as what they would have wanted. So, again, like you say, the, the strategist is going to come into its own and, and, and they're going to have to really, really make a calculated calls. And drivers going to have to really manage the tire to get it up to its um, operating window as soon as possible. Um, so it's just another, I suppose, trick in the entire F1 game that will add just a, a layer of, 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 of extra excitement, not like it needed it, but um, it's just going to make it just that extra bit exciting. Cool. Um, let's go to Bahrain. Let's talk GP coming up this weekend. Obviously, we've got practice on the Friday, qualifying on the Saturday, race on Sunday. Uh, Bahrain always delivers some interesting racing action. Um, talk to me about what you guys are thinking, Matthew. What are you looking at in terms of predictions? Um, obviously, save your exact prediction until last on the show. Um, but what are you thinking? I'm thinking the middle order is going to surprise. I think the big one is Aston Martin. I think they're really going to, they've showed a lot of improvement over the season. So I'm looking forward to the middle order. And especially with those sort of driver changes that they've made, uh, I think they're going to make significant improvement, which means that the top four are going to have to tighten their belt. But, you know, again, we're speaking about Bahrain. Interesting one is the Bahrain curse. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. So the Bahrain curse goes as follows, and it hasn't been broken since 2017. So basically, whoever wins the Bahrain GP doesn't go on to win world championship title. So Charles Leclerc won last year. Nothing happened to him. And so on and so forth. So again, it, it, it's a wild card. If someone can actually break it, that would be cool to see throughout the season. But I think my take from Bahrain is... I, we all know what's going to happen. We want to see what happened to the light car that went to dark. But mostly, middle order is my thing. I want to see how the new drivers get on. Are they going to be comfortable with the car? I mean, if you look at it, Nick DeFries, when he's super sub, he had to be lifted out the car and put into a wheelchair. So has the training gotten into practice? Have they gotten to grips with the new cars? Are the technical changes going to come into effect. I, I feel like there's a certain red team that might do something because there was <laughs> there was a small change. I, was, I wasn't going to mention it, but um, 
Avon, there was a technical change that I'll bring up. So it's, it's got to do with fuel temperature and it doesn't need to be regulated. And that was a very key thing for the prancing horses when they were to boost their horsepower. So because of that change, uh, I'm interested to see how cars will get on in the main straight. But uh, yeah, middle order for me um, is where the action is going to be for first race. So yeah, I, I, I don't think, I don't think, you know, in the second sort of season of these new rules, um, I think that that fuel cooling or that ambient temperature of the fuel is, I don't think it's going to affect cars as much as we might think. As I said, I think it's more, it's it's something that's not, in my opinion, going to affect the on-track action where we're going to, you know, see some, see some places being dropped because of it. But we're yet to see. I certainly agree with you in terms of, the middle order teams, I think Aston Martin is one to watch. You know, yeah. in Formula One, when, when teams take over or when new money comes into a team, there's always that three-year program. And this is Aston's third year. And I think all that money we've been talking that's come from the strolls, I think is now, you know, it's going to put paid to all of the disappointment of the last two years. And I think there's going to be a serious resurgence. Again, as I mentioned earlier, as to whether they'll win, I don't know. But if Aston Martin becomes that fourth team in the mix to contend for, you know, a pole position, uh, a podium, that's going to shake F1 up. And I think it's going to be fantastic. So, yeah, that's only a, a, a team to watch. Can we just say this is like the big elephant in the room. I'm seriously worried about McLaren. <laughs> no one has spoken about him. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> It's 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 unbelievable that a, a team with the brand kudos of, of of McLaren we haven't even spoken about them. They had a horrid testing. Nobody's saying, "Oh, McLaren's," you know. <laughs> we're not talking about McLaren contending for anything. And I think this is a problem. I'm certainly worried about them. So, I, you know, to see McLaren languishing at the back once again is a big concern for me. It's it's reminding me of Fernando Alonso joining McLaren days. You know. Um, when he came back and nothing happened. It was a horrible season for them or a couple of seasons. So, yeah, that's a big worry for me. But, yeah, I do think it's going to be Red Bull, Ferrari, Merck. That's kind of, I think, those are going to be the, the contenders. And my hope is that Aston Martin is in there as well. Yeah, look, I mean, again, I think just on the topic of, of, of McLaren, um, it's not, it's, you know, it's not, everybody might be sandbagging, but they might be, you know, factually in a lot of trouble at the moment. And, you know, they were on the back foot going, coming into the season. They were on the back foot um, at the beginning of last uh, last year in, in, in testing with uh, with uh, old, old Danny Ricardo um, suffering from COVID and, you know, missing out on that, like forming that base and then, you know, struggling with the car, you know, throughout the year. And, um, you know, Landon Norris has been quite um, you know, respectful in his comments, but you, know, you can read into those that... Um, that he is struggling uh, with that. Um, and coming into this year, obviously, again, not looking great from the get-go. Um, and, uh, you know, rumors of them missing certain development targets, you know, within the changes uh, and the time frame, it's, 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 it is it's a lot for them to do. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, them against Aston Martin is not looking too good at this moment. But then again, you never know. Like um, Zell, Zach Brown could have something up his sleeve. So, yeah, look, and uh, and what I even said about the top three, um, uh, Red Bull look 
very, very dominant um, coming in. It just looks like a control copy, control paste um, scenario from um, the end of last year to this year. So um, that's going to be one. And then, like you said, Ferrari, Ferrari, look, look the part. You know, like, there's a, like I said, there's a good energy, and, and you know, hopefully the two drivers can actually just uh, you know turn that energy into something um, you know positive, which they did at the beginning of the last year. But we know how that worked out. So um, <laughs> and again, we're, we're be there. So. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, that, that's my view. I don't think there's going to be any t- t- too much change for the top three. Um, and uh, yeah, let's see. All right. Now, if it's your first time listening to this podcast, obviously, you don't know what I mean by predictions, but it is the most entertaining section of the show, in my per- my personal opinion, uh, where we argue out your top three. Uh, Brent, Avon, you've obviously been here before, but Matthew, it's a picking of your driver for first, second, and third. So I'm going to give Brent the opportunity to go first and tell us who are your driver predictions for Bahrain. I would love to say uh, Valtteri Bottas in that, um, in that, in that wonderful <laughs> helmet that he had, which is Probably the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to F1 um, in it's its the history. It's the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on merit, you should actually get it just purely for that. But no, jokes aside, um, look, Verstappen looks impossible to topple at the moment. So yeah, team team, uh, team Red Bull there, Matthew um, Verstappen. I'm going to go with the Charles Leclerc second. Um, and then three is going to be interesting. I think I'll, 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 pl- I'll, I'll put um, uh, science in there. All right, Avon, you're up. Sure. You know what? Matthew's going to love this. I'm going to go with a Red Bull one, and I'm going to and I'm going to go Perez Verstappen, and then in third place, in third place, I'm going to put uh, Fernando Alonso. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> wow. Matthew, Matthew, let's hear it. Look, I think you're going to be very, very, very silly to bet against them, but I think it's going to be a bad bull one-two. Uh, Verstappen first, Perez two, and then third. Interestingly enough, I'm going to put Russell up there. I think Ferrari between Leclerc and Sainz. Easy. I think R- Russell is going to split the tweet the two of them up. So if Leclerc doesn't, I'd, I'm not entirely sure how their car is going to get on. Um, they might be called for cheating for the four billionth time in a row, but. I think Russell is my wow. good third. So Verstappen, Perez, Russell. I think Hamilton's going to take the brunt of the development work still so he can get that car right. But I think for the first race, uh, it'll be a bad bull one, two, and a Mercedes Russell for number three. Nice. Interesting. Okay, so for the first time in a very long time, I don't have Daniel Ricciardo to pick on. Um okay. <laughs> don't say that we're, we're, we're very sad that he's not in this season okay we're very I did sad. want to say are you, are you okay Kriya are you okay with <laughs> look on the plus side he's technically become like the face of Red Bull so every time I open up a Red Bull Instagram or Facebook I see his face so I'm kind of okay with that okay. there you go alright <laughs> so I'm going to go, we're all going with Red Bull because their performance was great. I am a little bit worried that they're going to have reliability issues like they did last year. But I am going to put Max at first. I'm going to put a Carlos Sainz in second and a Fernando Alonso in third. Look, you're not the only, this is the thing. Everyone's been talking about Alonso and I think Alonso is going to be the wild card for this year. I also learned something very, very like well last year is when Avon picks someone, go with Avon because he's always right. 
<laughs> I wish there was money. I wish we had put money on the table. <laughs> Place your bets now. I think this is going to be an, an interesting race. Definitely. I agree. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen, for your time. Um, we have launched a brand new website, which is f1trackthis.com. Uh, you can go and visit the website for all the latest Formula One news. Um, obviously, the podcasts are up there. And we have a very cool fantasy league that you can join as well. All the details are on the website, f1trackthis.com. Go and check out the brand new website. Subscribe. Do all the, the cool stuff you need to do. Um, and we'll be back with the next podcast before the next race. Gentlemen, I must say thank you very much for your time. It's great having you back, and it's great having a Formula One race on the way. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, Kriya. Thanks, Kriya. Thanks, Vince. It's been an awesome pleasure. Thanks, everyone. See you trackside.